Welcome to Recovery Mic Drop, where we're dropping the mic on addiction and recovery. We are two women who have been through the highs and lows of addiction and have came out on the other side with a wealth of experience, strength, and hope. We are here to share our stories along with those of other amazing people in recovery and offer a fresh perspective on what it means to live a sober life. So grab a seat, turn up the volume, and get ready for some raw, unfiltered, and inspiring conversation. Trigger warning, we will be discussing uncomfortable topics and using strong language without hesitation. Hey guys, I'm Bridget. And we started a podcast. I know, this is crazy. I'm super excited. I'm pumped to do this and I'm proud of us. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So uh, Bridget, how many times have you been arrested? Oh, that's a good question. I'd actually have to think about it for a second. I know close towards the end of my addiction, it was at least once a month. One of the recent times that I got arrested, I actually got bonded out and rearrested in the parking lot. Made it a whole 15 minutes outside <laughs> of jail. So Good times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, my addiction led me to getting arrested. Couldn't stay out of trouble. It was God's, God trying to show me, you know, that I was going down the wrong path. I needed to redirect my life. But, of course, I was selfish, self-centered, thought I knew everything. Um, so I ignored all the signs, and I continued to run my life into the ground. But, Heather, how many times have you been Narcaned? Well, I believe the number is six that I can remember. A couple times I ended up in the hospital, and the others were just, you know, in random places with random people that were gracious enough to give me Narcan, probably because they were scared of getting arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was that person that you didn't want to get high with, <laughs> let's just say. But, man, I was miserable, and I was, you know, I was a tornado. I hurt myself and everyone around me. I'm so grateful to be in recovery. I'm so grateful to be the person I am today and not the person I used to be, which is part of the reason we wanted to do this, right? But this is, you know, it's kind of scary, which is why we wanted to talk about fear today, because it's such a big presence in all of our lives. Absolutely. And I think the difference, you could tell the difference today of our fears, because what, three weeks ago, we talked about starting a podcast and here yeah, we are. And we're on it. We've had moments where we were like, you know, hesitated, like right now, you know, this makes me nervous, but yeah. it's just us and it's something we're passionate about. So, you know, we persevere and keep moving. Exactly. Yeah. I'm super excited. I think my biggest fear with starting a podcast was being vulnerable because, mm -hmm. you know, even though I worked through it and forgave myself, my past is still a vulnerable piece of me that's hard to share with people. Yeah, it is. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is uh, as horrible, awful, tragic as the past may be, it's still a part of who I am today. So like, I don't regret it, you know? We don't regret the past. I regret something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me just say there's quite a few memories where I get a feeling in my stomach <laughs> and I get very, very angry at myself. It keeps you up at night. Yeah, it does. So I'm just talking shit, apparently. <laughs> no, I mean, but that did make us who we are today. You know, it, it did. But yeah, I mean, there's nights I lay awake and I'm like, ow, yeah, wow, I was that person. Well, and it w wasn't until I worked the steps with my sponsor um, and she looked me in the eye and said, every move you've ever made or every choice you've ever made has been dictated by fear. I had no clue. It was such a part of me that I couldn't even recognize it. Yeah, I like to say that there's two choices you make in life. One's based on fear and one is based on love with every decision that you make. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize every decision that I make 
made an act of addiction was based on fear. When I thought I was fearless. Right. Like you're like, I'm this shit and I'm not afraid. Really. It was just, we weren't afraid to die because we hated ourselves. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The desire to die was greater than the desire to live. And I didn't recognize Mm -hmm. I was fearless in Mm -hmm. stupidity. Because our ego tells us one thing. Right. But who we really are is under all the garbage that we have to dig through, which is what step work helps you do. You know, what is fear? It's a natural emotion that can help us avoid danger, but it can also become a barrier if we let it control us. And that's really what we're talking about. You know, today we can recognize it, but back then I I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. Absolutely no idea that fear was running my life into the ground. How did fear manifest itself in your addiction? Were there like specific fears that fueled your addictive behaviors, you think? Oh, absolutely. I was uncomfortable in my own skin. I never felt like I belonged. And I'm not like, oh, poor me, because that's not how I feel. It was just I felt like everyone else got the key to life or they got the manual and I didn't get it. I didn't know how to be happy. I didn't know how to love or be loved. I didn't know how to just go through life and have any sort of peace or happiness. I just couldn't do it. It's crazy you say that because the most thing that I'm grateful for today is just being able to wake up and be okay. Not having to think about the next one. That mental obsession is gone. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you're in active addiction, it seems impossible to keep going because you don't have that peace. You're living in chaos and that's what you thrive in. Yeah. I just remember being angry every time I woke up. Oh my God, this again. You know, but it also... I was afraid to change, too, because that misery is comfortable. You know it. You know it's like the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Right. But who knew it was just hell? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, too, because I thought, like, I'd I'd never been a fan. I remember as a kid asking my mom, why do we have to go to school, go to college, work the rest of our lives? And I think that I had that fear of living like that for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. That I was like, I'm just going to break out of the system. Long behold, I was diving into the system at first. Absolutely. (laughs) Totally institutionalized and becoming a statistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. (laughs) And I was so, I was so used to being numb. I was afraid of, well, I was scared to death of withdrawals, for one, because I had just been so used to being medicated. Because they are scary and they are awful. And let's talk about that for a second. Because especially if you are still in addiction or, you know, you're in early recovery and you're going through it, God, I know what you're going through. And it is awful. But there is an end, I promise you. And once you get through it, You start to heal. Your brain starts to heal. You start to feel better physically. And um, man, I know that shit kept me using for a long time. Oh, yeah. I think a part of my withdrawals was mental because Mm -hmm. I remember the first time that I fully was physically addicted to a substance. I was with my friend. I woke up and I was like, dang, I have the flu or something. Like, I'm not feeling well. And it wasn't the end of the world. Yeah. He's like... You're dope sick. Yeah. And I'm like, someone absolutely not. Someone had to tell me to. (laughs) But then once he's like, just do this Mm -hmm. and you'll feel fine. After I did it and I felt fine, my withdrawals were worse after that. Because now I knew that something could help. 
like I've heard you say before, you know, when you knew you were about to get it, you already started to feel better. Yeah. So you know part of it's psychological. Exactly. Absolutely. Man, I was afraid of change because I was running, but I didn't know. I didn't know I was running from my fear. I thought I had no fears. So I think that's, it's important to know. I wouldn't know any of it unless I had worked the steps and like, you know, peeled the layers of crap (laughs) to get to who I truly am. So how does fear show up in your life today or in early recovery? Because that's really what we want to talk about. Fear in early recovery was really based on like, I thought that I was this addict. I thought that I was this piece of shit. I thought that I could not change. I thought I was meant to be a junkie. And that terrified me because I didn't Mm. think there was another side. I thought that this was all there was. And it was really scary. But then on the other hand, I had a fear of changing because I had developed all these defects when I was in active addiction for survival mode. Mm -hmm. You know, the lying, the cheating, the manipulating, the stealing to protect myself. You know, and again, I'm not playing victim stance. I was a piece of shit and you shouldn't have been around me either. And I actually remember growing up, there were some friends I had that didn't go down the same path that I did. And their parents would not allow them to hang out with me. And I thought, who the heck are they Mm -hmm. to say that? Well, good reason, you know, good reason, because I wasn't going down a good road. I let addiction consume me and the fear consume me. Yeah, I think um, in early recovery, I was, man, I was so I was so afraid that this wouldn't work, that I wouldn't be able to use because the drugs had stopped working and that I wouldn't be happy without them either. So that I would just be going through life sober and miserable. And that sounds fucking awful. And I was afraid of feeling because I've numbed myself for so long and all those feelings come back and they're overwhelming and they're just, you know, up and down and all over the place. And you can't, it's hard to identify them. And which is what, you know, also step work helps, helps you do in the process. But more than anything, I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to do it and that I would relapse and that I would crush the people that cared about me yet again. I just felt like I was to the point where I couldn't live through hurting them anymore. That I don't know if I could come back from that. Thank God those fears weren't realistic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy too, because I obviously was my family. A lot of people in my family struggle with drug addiction. So growing up, I used to judge them and think, how could they do this, Mm -hmm. that until I experienced it myself, did I understand the true hold that it has on somebody? Mm -hmm. I like to explain it as it feels. It's just the need is as strong as blinking in those moments. Yeah. You have Mm -hmm. to have it no matter what or who stands in your way. Yeah. And it's very scary. Yeah. There's there's no stopping to think of consequences or who you're harming because you're driven. It's the mental obsession with the physical allergy. And it's the I have to have it. And you feel bad. And then that stuff just stacks on stacks and st- and then and then you just you hate yourself more than you ever have, but you keep doing the shit you're doing and you don't know how to stop. You become empty mm-hmm. and then because you gotta you gotta like cope, right? You gotta somehow keep moving. Yeah, you've destroyed all your morals. Yeah, and you're empty inside. So now you have to fill it with relationships, drugs, whatever it mm. is. I was always Instant I felt good about myself. 
based on what other people said mm. about me because I, I didn't know who I was yeah. and I lost myself. And that is miserable. Absolutely. And isn't that another gift of recovery? I care a lot less today about what people think of me. It's not my business. And you go about your way, I'll go about mine. And that, that is peace. <laughs> yeah, there's power in that for sure. Absolutely. I think another fear I had too was getting a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just doing all the normal stuff that people do. It, it's all scary. Yeah. Because like, I always feel like I'm doing something wrong, even if I'm not. I remember uh, talking about fear. I remember, if anyone knows us, they know that we both were sent to the same institution. Um, it was long-term and behavioral modification, and I am so grateful for it. It changed my life and who I am. But um, I remember sitting in the dorm with a good friend of mine at the time. You know, we were going through this together, and... um you know, when you just have that real, like raw, honest moment with somebody and she just looks up in her, she just looks like desperate. And she's like, man, I hope this works. I do not want to go back to that. And uh, man, it like gives me cold chills because I don't know where she is or what she's doing right now. But um, man, I am so grateful that I was open enough to try, you know? Yeah. You definitely have to be open and honest with yourself. And what's crazy, too, is our stories are completely different. Mm -hmm. So you had the gift of desperation. Absolutely. I had the system push me into The rehab. fear of being put away forever. <laughs> yeah, the fear of all the felonies I was stacking up to get sent to prison. So I went to this long-term treatment facility. Based off that, although my life looked, I mean, I didn't have a home. I lost everything. I was destroying friendships, relationships, mm -hmm. wasn't keeping in contact with family, didn't know where I was going to eat next. Yeah. And so... To think I had didn't hit rock bottom, I know it's crazy. Denial but is so powerful. <laughs> I was delusional. I was so delusional, but I didn't. I didn't have the gift of desperation that people talk about. So it just proves, like, thank God that I was arrested and all these things happened to get me where I am today. Because I was able to see by working the steps that my life could look different. And I do remember two weeks before the last time I got arrested. I was thinking, I remember the exact street I was on, is my life still going to look like this five years from now? Mm. Am I going to have a family? Am I going to have kids? Am I going to be at peace? Or is it just going to be this chaos forever? Then that was the end of the thought, and I continued down destroying myself in my yeah. life. Yeah, I, got, I was at the point in my addiction where I couldn't stop to think about those things. Because I would, like, implode. <laughs> you know, it was too much. I'd already, you know, I was 37 when I got sober. So I had a lot of examples of unmanageability and powerlessness. And I couldn't, I just, I had no more options. I, I couldn't think about those things, you know. What about, like, fear today? How does that show up in your life? So my biggest fear today, I think, is relapsing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll start future tripping and be like, oh my gosh, two years from now, am I still going to be sober? Or am I going to be homeless and have lost everything? I think that's my biggest fear today. I have a fear of just losing myself again because it is hard to build yourself back mm -hmm. up. I mean, it was a journey and it took some elbow grease. Oh in my the beginning. God. Yeah. <laughs> I think I don't fear. It comes in different ways. You know, just like how your defects, they, they change the longer, the longer I'm sober. I speak for myself. My uh, defects, like they're sneaky. They, they change. They come at me in different ways and I have to be like vigilant. And working on myself because they will take over really fast. And um, 
and I, and now I know it all stems from fear. You know what I mean? But, and when you're in it, it seems very real. I have to be mindful and I have to, um, I have to talk to my people. Like I have to come to you and and tell you the crazy thing I'm saying. And you can be like, man, that's fucked up. That's not real. (laughs) You know, I got, I gotta have that. I gotta have those people. You gotta have your, you know, your support network, the people that you can go to because my first thought is usually self-centered and wrong. Yeah. I think getting out of yourself relieves a lot of that fear Mm -hmm. because then you're thinking about how can you help the next person rather than what if me, what if this happens to me? What if da, 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 da. And that's like a lot of the fear stems from, cause I'm like, you know, for me, it stems today. Like I fear that I'm not good enough, fear that I'm not smart enough. Actually, one of my biggest fear today is that I screwed my brain mm, up and I'm absolutely dumb. Yeah. We've talked about this a few times. I feel like it takes me a lot longer than the average person to understand or comprehend something. And I try to just fake it sometimes, and then you end up looking even more dumb. I don't know. It's fun, but I go back to I don't care what they think. So, you know, so. Yeah, just an example. The other day I was making spaghetti, and um, keep in mind, side note, I did have a migraine and couldn't think straight okay. on top of my dumbass. You also have a baby. Yeah, well, so I was making spaghetti, had the sauce on the stove, and I opened the meat and just put the meat in the sauce without cooking it. I was like, I'm never telling anybody about this, ever. And here you you go. You told me about it. Yeah. (laughs) Keep my little secret. Yeah. It's just sometimes my something happens where my brain just skips over things. I don't know what it is. Probably all the air duster. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine that could have something to do with it. I think the difference today is I don't let fear consume every decision that I make. I'm able to become self-aware and see how I can work through it. So the fears today are probably the fears normal people deal with. You know, it's it's crazy to me when I was in treatment, I would just look around sometimes and be like, wow, I really had to be rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. really had to. Broken and rebuilt. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then everybody my age was like graduating college and doing things with themselves, and I'm sitting in treatment. Girl, I was 37. <laughs> how do you think I feel? I just now in a healthy relationship and I'm 41. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Um, you know, when you, earlier when you were talking about it's so important to get out of self to help others. That's really kind of how this podcast started to come about because we had made these goodie bags because we felt like we didn't really have much of a purpose anymore. You know, we were feeling just kind of blah about stuff. So we decided to make uh, these bags full of snacks and hygiene and stuff and then just kind of drive around and hand them out to anybody we saw that we thought could use them and uh we started talking really talking about this and um i don't know i'm just super grateful you know this that this has come about i think that that this is going to be really good you know if we can just help one person that's awesome but it also makes me feel like i have purpose you know so absolutely yeah yeah you're getting out of yourself you're being vulnerable hopefully Mm -hmm. helping somebody else or we're just making total asses out of ourselves. Either way, I'm having a blast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what are some ways that you uh, work against your fear? Hmm. I think for me, I have to uh, have to be mindful. And you know, kind of like what we were just talking about. I read this term the other day and it stuck with me and it said, lean into kindness and that will like bring positive energy into your life. And I love that, which is really what, you know, the 12th step is. I just never really thought of it that way. 
And I think I have to explore my feelings. I have to remember all the stuff I learned. Feelings aren't facts. I really have to keep it simple. There is a voice in my head that is trying to murder me. And it's true. And if I listen to that voice, it will just slowly tear me down. And it will make me isolate. And then, you know, if I haven't relapsed, then I'm on the verge. So it's you have you have to do the work all the time. It doesn't just stop once you get sober and you're sober for a little bit. Yeah, and it's crazy because that voice in active addiction is much louder because you've you've invited it in at this point. Yeah. You know, it's it's your friend now because yeah. it's, you know, taking away the the emotions and the feelings and all the guilt and shame and remorse. Yeah, it's like being best friends with your demons. Yeah. Yeah. And today I feel like it's more sneaky because mm. it, it knows that I've done done the work, that I am getting closer to God. So now it tries to wiggle its way into my head mm-hmm. and my life. And just an example of how sneaky this disease is. Last summer, my family and I went on vacation to the beach and I had an amazing time. So great that when I got home, I was depressed for three days because it was over. Mm -hmm. But I was having a good time. You know, I was at peace. I was content. Yet, someone pointed out to me, Bridget, why are you carrying your ID everywhere we go? Yeah. Oh, you know why? Because you never know when I'm going to want to drink when we're out. Well, you know what the uh, brighter side of that is? Is that at least you're young enough to be carded. (laughs) I could just relapse without an ID. <laughs> so, so fear is a lie, you know, and uh, it will tell us all kinds of things. Um, nothing matters, you know. Nothing we do matters, uh, and it makes us kind of apathetic toward our goals and what we want in life. Um, it tells us you're not good enough, you can't do it. You know, I think. It can keep you stuck, and it kept me stuck and miserable for the majority of my time here on Earth. And I just, I'm grateful that I have the awareness of it now, that I can identify it. And I can, even if I can't just shut it down, I can work on it, you know, and that that's a freaking gift. Yeah, learning to work against fear is much needed. I mean, and how I, how I do it today is I just try to get closer to God. Mm-hmm. And I know when I need to work on fear, when I'm experiencing anxiety or stress or future tripping or thinking too much about my past, I'm like, okay, what is causing this? What fear do you have right now that you need to face and work on? Because you, I believe you need to educate yourself on your fear. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, is it irrational? Is it rational? Why am I having this? What can I do to overcome it? Because on the other side of it is beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, Everything I want in life, and I think this probably stands true for most people, everything I want in life is on the other side of fear, you know, and I have to I have to work through it to get to that stuff. And the beautiful thing is today, because of the work I've done, you've done, we've all done, is that I can recognize it and I can move forward. I don't let it keep me stuck anymore. Yeah, if I was to allow fear to consume me and keep me stuck, uh, you better watch out. Yeah. Because then I'm just miserable. Yeah. And miserable take it out on everyone shit. else. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable because I've been able to see the other side right. of the fear. Like doing this podcast. This shit is scary and I'm uncomfortable and I'm nervous. But I also have learned that that is where true growth comes. Fear is a lie. It's going to keep you stuck and consume you if you allow it. Do not believe that shit. So there's a quote that I found 
It's by Carl Jung, and it says, "Where your fear is, there is your task." And I really love that. That is beautiful because that's actually something I focus on today to work against my、mm-hmm. fears. You know, where、yeah. does the fear lie? What can I do to overcome it? I actually have a quote as well. It is by Mark Twain. Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. I like that too, because it's perseverance, and I did not even understand the meaning of that word before. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we did this, and it was scary, and we overcame it, and we're going to keep at it. And God willing, we will help at least one person, and we will find a purpose within it ourselves. So I'm super grateful for this, and I'm grateful to all of you who listened. So I'm excited for our next episode. Me too. We're going to talk about step one: honesty and acceptance. You're going to want to tune in to hear all the dirt and lies we tell ourselves in addiction and recovery. Hell yeah! And we want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories of inspiration. We want to hear all your crazy stories out in the madness. So you can email us at recoverymikedrop at gmail dot com. You can also come join our Facebook page. It is also at recoverymikedrop, and we hope to hear from you. Also, I just wanted to say earlier、um, when I talked about being Narcaned, I am extremely grateful to be sitting here today. And I just wanted to say to those of you out there working to get it in the streets, the businesses that carry it, you are doing good work, and I personally thank you. Narcan saves lives. Absolutely, we do recover, and you never know when that's going to be. All right, thank you. See you later. Bye. <laughs>